0: In today's workplace, employees come from diverse cultural backgrounds and their values, beliefs and behaviour patterns differ significantly. Therefore managing cultural differences is crucial to building effective communication, trust and respect among employees, which in turn leads to higher productivity and healthier work environment. Understanding and effectively managing these cultural differences and diversity is essential in today's global workplace, but unfortunately this is often overlooked and can lead to misunderstandings, conflict and missed business opportunities. Welcome to episode 32 of Give Yourself Some Leeway with me, your host, Eugene Lee. Today I am joined by Liu Liu, a cross-cultural intelligence coach who specializes in helping international organizations improve their communications with a globalized workforce today we discuss the importance of cross-cultural management and how to develop strategies to ensure that cultural diversity is not only recognized but also celebrated and embraced in the workplace i hope you enjoyed today's episode And if you do, please rate and review wherever you're listening to this. And yeah, I hope you enjoy today's episode with Liu Liu. So Liu, it's great to have you here on the show. One thing that I always like to start out with when it comes to coaches is that there's this time where they get this spark or the vision to get started with coaching. And I was wondering, what was that like for you? Right,
1: so um, it's been a uh, uh, a bit of a journey to be honest, because um, I have been um, working as a manager in this international organisation. Um, we work in fifty countries, and then uh, in my job, I do a lot of uh, training and teaching on uh, on my subject matter like environment, disaster management. So over the years, I travelled around countries, uh, developing, um, delivering. Sorry, um. Uh, training courses and then as part of the trainings so you'll, you know, inevitably will get people come to ask you for more questions and then that put me onto a little bit of like mentoring for them and then that kind uh, that started just a uh, snowballing a little bit so and more and more people are asking me uh, to kind of mentoring them and uh, um, both in the UK and in in other countries. And then, yeah, that carried on for quite a few years. And then I, because I am a learner, I like to do things properly. So, and um, I took a few steps. One is actually um, to uh, do some, uh, I did some training. Uh, We have in-house training uh, to become coaches in our organization. So I did feel that and uh, then um, registered as an in-house coach. And then that made me think, actually, that's not quite enough for me. So the turning point actually is COVID. So when everybody got into this lockdown, and then I thought, oh, what can I do to use this time more effectively? So while others are getting into um, wine tasting or baking, So I took on a proper um, accredited coach training course, actually, Uh, I did it like in quite a long study actually over a year or so, and then uh, took another exam quite rigorously uh, to become associated certified coach um, recognized by International Coaching Federation. So that's kind of consolidated my experience and sealed it. As a proper a co- student, for me, as a proper coach. So I, I, I feel more confident and happy to really go out uh, to do more. So at the moment, I'm uh, coaching four people at work and one outside work. And then I started another two group coaching on cross-cultural intelligence for our own organization. So each group, uh, two weeks ago, actually, each group, has 20 about 20 people so they were last for 10 weeks so that's kind of a my journey to become a coach really
0: that's awesome and you mentioned cross cultural intelligence there and i think some people just aren't aware i think i think there's a lack of awareness around cross cultural intelligence and it's not that people are ignorant of it or i think they're just oblivious of it that they don't realize that cross cultural management is a key part of uh, business management in in, in these modern times. Um, So why do you think that maybe cross-cultural management might be overlooked and why it shouldn't be overlooked? What is the real importance of cross-cultural management in our times? Definitely.
1: I think uh, first thing first, let me just explain what I mean by cross-cultural intelligence. I think uh, very often people mistakenly thinking, is it just cross-cultural communication? So that's not entirely true. So cross-cultural communication is part, important part of cross-cultural intelligence. So when I say cross-cultural intelligence, it really means twofold issues. One is how we as each individual, including you and me, understand our own culture, our own cultural background and how that affects our day-to-day behavior really from the minute we get up uh, from bed and to the minute we go to bed and all the activities in between. So because it's so ingrained in you, you grow up with it, it, It's you are doing that doesn't mean you are aware of it. So why you're doing it? So this first level of cultural intelligence is about your own self-awareness culturally. The second is actually how, where, how well you are uh, learning or interested to learn about other cultures. So the same, same principle, how why they do what they do, what is the cultural reason behind it, but in a way that is more of a from an observational point of view rather than judgmental point of view, a learning point of view. So these are twofolds, that's cultural intelligence. Um, when it comes to management issue, I think nowadays we're in a globalized world. So the fact, everything seems to be communicated in English by and large. And uh, when you go to a business meeting, even if it's cross country, so the language people use is English. So that actually end up giving people imp- wrong impression That we all understand each other. We all speak the uh, same language per se. But when you get into the uh, details of the management issues, then you soon realize actually we are not speaking the same languages. And that's where all those um, issues started to emerge. So, from, yeah, throughout the whole business process you will come to come to head with various issues, then then you realize actually, hmm, there's something missing. Something missing here. I don't know what it is. So I recently wrote an article uh, in a magazine. Actually it's called one missing management tool, exactly that. So that's why it's people don't know what they don't know.
0: When it comes to cross-cultural management, exactly as you say, it's the missing tool. Like I did a course in quality management and it was never covered. And like, it wasn't that, um, like my course was very, the the students in the course were, it was very diverse. Like we were coming from all over Europe, a few people from the US and cross-cultural management never came up as a topic when it came to being a quality manager. And And now that I am aware of cross-cultural management, I'm like, why was this never dis- discussed before? Is it something that's only new since 2020 when we we're all working online? As, and I'm yeah. like, of course, it's been, uh, I'm assuming it's, it's obviously been there a lot around a lot longer than that and maybe just hadn't been addressed. So with people, let's say, management trying to take on cross-cultural management across their workplaces now, what do you feel are the biggest challenges for managers trying to implement cross-cultural management throughout their teams?
1: I think the the biggest challenge for the managers is about how do you marry the cross-cultural intelligence, um, knowledge and skills and method with your ordinary or conventional management method. So because me, myself is a manager, so I deeply understand that issue or that challenge. So say, I think the cross-cultural issue at the moment still largely exists at the society issue or travel issue. Because when you when people talk talk about cross-cultural, they tend to think of like uh, some travel guide on uh, either either in the book or. or or online, say, or if you want to visit this country as a tourist, you need to do X, Y, there, and do's and don'ts. Uh, but which is fine, it's equally valid. Uh, but the challenge is it doesn't matter how many in, in a cultural book you read, do's and don'ts, and you don't actually know how it translates into a workplace situation, or in, in particular case like a, a project management process. From the beginning, you'll set a, people meet together, form a team to um, set a goal, a dedicated tasks, managing money, managing time, managing conflict, especially, and then uh, keep the uh, process going until you deliver the results. So the whole process, how do you first understand what cultural, cross-cultural, Dynamics can at play, and secondly, how do you handle it? So that is a challenge. Yeah, it's it's like two legs walking, so you need both them to to make the process work.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hundred percent get that. I, I actually I love your analogy there of the looking at a travel guide, um, and, and and I think that's kind of where the miscommunication is, um, when it comes to. Like cross-cultural, I think a cross-cultural communication then is that is that a category that falls under management, under cross-cultural management?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. The uh, communication is important part. the The communication in many ways is a external manifestation of people's cultural perspective. So let me give you an example. So in a so-called relationship-based culture, uh, people tend to communicate in a very uh, friendly way, uh, a very, um, they all need to want to build relationship uh, in the form of email. So people would start very formally, very courteous. So they spend uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, words on greeting each other and then you, they, they go into the, uh, the topic of the business. Well, in the um, task-oriented culture, people don't have to know each other too well. So they literally very task-oriented. So you will receive an email, say, dear so-and-so, can you give me X, Y information? And um, they're okay with that. But when there's two different cultural meets, so I hear complaints in my organization, or African colleagues complain say, why do people from the UK write very rude emails to me? And then um, they, vice versa, the UK and European colleagues will say, I don't actually understand, after a whole lot of paragraphs, I don't actually understand what they're trying to say. (laughs) So you can see this is an external manifestation of the way they think, they view things, because, yeah. And then it it end up causing a whole lot of frustration on both sides and uh, potentially conflict.
0: Yeah, and I I can definitely think a few few emails do come to mind um, of where that, let's say, barrier of communication almost is. Um where it's some some people take things up the wrong way because of different mannerisms or different way that um sentences are phrased that they seem that they seem rude or ignorant or very demanding when the person is just trying to be like very to the point and getting something done without being having let's say the uh, polite start and ending to an email and people just take it the wrong way. They're like, oh, they're very rude, or looking kind of ordering me around.
1: Mm, definitely, definitely. And uh, obviously, with any of the business, and in uh, management, one more more important aspect is about financial management. So that that leads us to to another sets of cultural concepts. That is uh, guilt culture versus shame culture. So uh, if you think of the by and large the Christian based culture are guilt culture meaning there's a quite a clear self-conscious about what is right and wrong. So it's uh, the lines is very clear. So while in the same culture, which is the largely not the European culture, not the Christian-based culture, so like in China where I come from, Africa, um, many uh, Latin American countries, so the uh, and the Middle East, so the culture to do is right and wrong, is very fluid. So it's all about whether your behavior uh, will bring shame to yourself, to your family name, to the group, the community you belong to. So when it comes to the financial management, the most headache uh, problem is about mismanagement money. So in a guilt, guilt culture, so it's very, very clear. So if you misuse one penny, one pound, it's misuse. You cross the line. While in the shame-based culture, um, well, people never know how much is acceptable, how much is not. So they will keep going until you tell them or get caught. And then they then they then they will think actually, oh, and uh, um, if I haven't got caught, then I'm okay. So one typical example is company car use. So in the European shame, guild uh, guild based culture, it's very clear, you use a company car for business. While in the uh, shame culture, um, you will see people use company car to drop off the wife, pick up the children along the way, and then go to the office it's quite normal it's quite acceptable so you see what i mean so that actually they have financial counseling courses.
0: and and let's say I, I can i can see where that comes Let's say the shame versus the guilt culture and when it comes to cross-cultural intelligence cross-cultural management mm. um, especially let's say if you're someone who's grown up in a shame culture and you're now working in a country where uh, it's more of a guilt culture Um, Do you feel like someone who has grown up with that shame culture their whole life, and as you say, let's say using the company care and seeing how long they can get away with it, do you feel like they have a very rude awakening um, when their manager who might come from a guilt culture kind of uh, tells them that they've crossed the line?
1: Yeah, very much so, very much so. I think uh, that, again, uh, that is a potential point for conflict because they could argue to say, actually, yeah, there's not much. Um, they don't see it. That's what I mean by intelligence. It's about their view, their perspective on the same thing. So you need to be aware. It's not, it's not the fact that they are necessarily a bad person per se, but if, if you don't understand why uh, this is the reason, they behave as such. Then you could quickly jump into a conclusion and make a judgment, end up having the um making the situation worse. But if you are aware, made aware of that, then you can work it a different stretch, work out a different strategy to tackle that. To say, actually, yeah, this is yeah, to have a private conversation to explain to them this how it works in this country, in this context, and then, um, to help them to understand, uh, this is not acceptable and also more importantly it's about the consequences you see the same culture is all about consequences so it's to let them know if you have if you do this in this guilt culture it will bring shame to your family to your name so it's not acceptable so i think that will uh, will help them to uh the line if you like but in, in a more non-confrontational way And also take a preventative approach. Yes. So if you have hired somebody from broadly speaking that culture, you take a preventative approach to explain to them in advance uh, what is acceptable what is not acceptable rather than wait until they behave according to the way they used to. And then you all suddenly think, oh, that's not right then you end up in a very difficult situation so preventative measure is also very important
0: yeah definitely and i uh, as, as you said because let's say if, if they did wait until someone behaved inappropriately inappropriately to their standards mm. and if that let's say th- that the cross cultural management isn't in place that can be very distressing for someone who has to go through that let's say co- cross-cultural shock
1: that's right But that also works the other way around as well. So say if a European people, if a European person goes to work in China, in the Middle East, they also need to learn to adapt to see actually what is culturally acceptable, uh, and learn it. And to, yeah, to just really genuinely ask local people to find out what is acceptable what is not uh, way ahead Everything happens
0: in advance. Another thing that comes to mind, especially when, as you said, trainings around cross-cultural management, uh, should that be done? Let's say from the top level, and let's say the training be done by top level, and then communicated to employees, or should you do you feel that it should be done across the board? That there should be training for managers and employees, maybe as part of induction into the company, that cross-cultural um intelligence and kind of awareness should be implemented into the trainings of all staff so that everyone is aware.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I think uh, the ideal situation would be you have different levels of training. Definitely at the induction level, you have the general awareness. So make sure everybody is aware of orders differences, there uh, are some basic principles and some basic methods so that as part of induction, and then according to the position uh, of the people, you can actually give more extensive training, uh, like what we are doing in our, our own organization is to have more extensive program. We have two programs, the cultural uh, cross-cultural awareness course as well as is cross-cultural intelligence for managers. So you have a, a choice, so that it's kind of tiered approach.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, that you'd, of course, have the management skills that you're going to be teaching management, let's say from for the top tier, and then for the lower tier, then for, for the employees, for lower down the chain command, that you just have an awareness course, so that... Uh, sometimes you can teach let's say a management course at the top tier but it will it would be communicated differently from manager to manager mm. and when that's being communicated down the board to the down the chain of command to employees they'll all have a different um understanding of 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 cross cultural awareness then so i i think that is very important to have across the board a, a cross cultural awareness just so that everyone is aware of uh the company's vision, company's work ethics in that in 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 that branch as opposed yes. to as opposed to other branches. Yeah. Yes, definitely.
1: I think companies need to be aware that um, what is the if that cultural identity of the company, say if it's American company, it carries American cultural identity the British organization it carries British cultural organization but that exists only the uh, head office level so then uh, the, the the that identity get diluted wherever they open a the branch and then they get mixed uh, with the local cultural identity so people need to be aware of that yeah, particularly now um, more and more companies are hiring internationally. Uh, You end up in a situation, say, if your American company opened a branch in India, they might end up hiring somebody uh, from Kenya. Uh, These are real scenarios, and then you have three cultures in the mix. So yeah, it's not that simple anymore. I think that's a good point that you
0: made there about, uh, let's say, an American company exactly at head office. Um, And when when they're bringing in their cross-cultural training to, to, let's say, their branches internationally, should that vision that the American company has at head office carry through, let's say, through that cross-culture, let's say the culture of the American head office, should that vision carry through in their branches worldwide? Should they have some element of that or should the head branch be like, this is how things are done in America? But of course, we have different standards at each of our branches in their respective countries.
1: That is a for each company to really work out in detail, so as part of their company identity or branding. What other things has to be non-negotiable? What other things are negotiable? Uh, let me give you an example. So Some companies very commonly now, they have the same product, but have different trading name in different country. So a typical example is um, there is a British car manufacturer called the Vauxhall. You're probably aware of that. I think they are not so known these days anymore, but then they have a different trading name called OPPO in Germany. So it's the same products. So this kind of negotiation uh, needs to be done uh, like case by case and company by company. They need to work out themselves. Um, I recently read Starbucks Coffee. You know, they have a logo. It's a like a, a lady with a fishtail on their logo. But I read recently the Starbucks in the uh, Gulf countries, the Middle East Arab countries, they changed that in order to suit the local culture. So, but still carry the same kind of shape and form. So all these, like you say, you use the word very nicely, nuances. A lot of nuances. How do you preserve your company identity, culture, as well as to adjust to the local context?
0: It's actually great that you said that about Starbucks. And the, the, let's say the, the logo, the nuanced logo changed in um, Arabian countries because my partner at the moment is collecting Starbucks little um, espresso cups and uh-huh. from different countries. So I'd yeah. like to see what's the difference once she goes into, let's say, the Arabian countries and see if she'll notice the different Starbucks logo on them. So that that, yeah. that is very interesting. How Yeah, exactly. The nuanced approach to keeping the company identity and, or the company uh, vision, vision and branding. But nuance in a way that it is accepting let's say inclusive of the different cultures and work ethics um, of uh, their international branches. Absolutely and also
1: there is also the other side of this is not to cause offense. I uh, last week I actually wrote an I post on uh, LinkedIn every week about those issues then uh, two weeks ago I posted one article about no green hat, please. It's about how uh company, how the, the green hat, the color green hat um, in Ireland is a just Irish color, is green hat, man wears it. But in China is absolutely no-no because in Chinese culture, to, for, to say a man is wearing green hat is implying the man's girlfriend or wife is cheating on him. So it's a total uh, humiliation. So therefore, you need to be aware of that. So we have real case, like environmental groups from the US go to visit China, and then um, uh, give the green hat, as a, the green cap, as gift to the Chinese side, of course the Chinese will have a laugh behind their back. no way you're gonna wear that. And then uh, similarly uh, when I posted an uh, uh, article uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, Tanzanian uh, pers- uh, professor he said, yeah, I remember that our Tanzania our, our ruling party uh, their uh, color is green. so they went to China also everybody's wearing a green cap. To visit, so again becomes a laughing stock.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would never even heard of that before. As that, that, so if you were wearing a green hat in China, is is it like is it that you're kind of professing that your wife is cheating on you?
1: Yes, so nobody would wear a green hat, especially men.
0: <laughs> that is so. That's so strange. And and is there? Let's was there a reason behind that in the first place? Was it that that people actually did wear? Green hats was it? Was I think it a matter goes, of shame, or
1: yes, I think that goes back uh, a long time ago through the ancient literature. Somewhere along the line, uh, this was used or described as a sign of um as of the um, humiliation for the men. So then, never again. So that actually is. Linking us quite nicely to another cultural concept is called the high context culture versus low context culture. The high context culture means when people communicate, they, uh, their communication is deeply rooted in their history and they use a lot and refer a lot to their Asian literature, stories can go back thousands of years, like in the Chinese case. Uh, so when people say very little things, but everybody understands what it means, what it imply. Why in the low context culture that you have to spell it out, the facts and the information, people can't, it's like people won't know until you said it. So uh the, the other case we had is um we have a manager who's a Dutch lady she's working in uh, our Jordan office, which is an Arab country. So the Dutch is very low context. Everything has to be precise, clear, everything is spelled out. While the Jordanian, Arab culture, very high context. So everything is assumed, similar to Chinese culture. So then she is, um, they need to arrange a conference uh, for a week-long conference, and then the Dutch manager is asking the lady, uh, the administrator in Jordanian administrator said, well oh, does this conference venue has have a toilet restaurant and so on and so forth, and then the other person think, what on earth are you thinking about? Of course we do. <laughs> but so of course the danger is they, they might have certain things, but if the Dutch manager doesn't ask to the down to the every detail, so the delegates might find out at the last minute, actually, there are certain things they don't have. It's because the Jordanian will assume that of course everything will be arranged, but not necessarily. So that's a danger. So it's find this best way to yeah to communicate
0: these are things that normally i wouldn't even have thought of either and i I think when 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 that conversation does come up let's say where there is uh let's say a conflict in a a cross-cultural conflict between manager and employee and maybe an employee who has come from a background where cross-cultural awareness was a thing and they come into a new uh, into a new uh company where it doesn't seem to be in place yet how do you think should they approach their manager, or should they approach human resources, or who should they approach to say that I am not comfortable with the, um, let's say the cross-cultural awareness or the maybe the cultural differences in this company? Um, should there be more awareness about this, or where can I find out more? How do they approach, let's say, their manager or their human resources about that?
1: Uh, well, obviously. Again, it's um, dependent on the company. I think increasingly, because uh, I'm aware there are more and more companies are becoming aware of this issue and they started to run uh, um, orientation courses uh, for employees. And they they have sometimes have in-house consultants uh, to support them in this matter. Uh, I believe HR is a right department to go or should be the department to be responsible for such matter. So yeah, I mean, when it comes to manager, that depends whether that manager is uh, open or willing to learn, willing to uh, to 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 listen or not. So there's no one size fit all, but definitely uh, the uh, general training is really needed. I think
0: that's something that. Uh... A lot of people they they feel that they are open to let's say inclusive di- diversity in their companies, um, but they aren't. They still aren't fully aware of let's say that cross cultural awareness and the different let's say code of work ethics that uh, might be experienced or uh, let's say past experiences from country to country, and and trying to be more open to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, definitely. I think uh, uh, we shouldn't be fooling ourselves as well because nowadays many people travel to different countries for holidays so we mustn't assume that oh i've been to visit so many countries therefore i'm a cultured person Uh, it's entirely different matter so yeah i think we shouldn't make that assumption
0: and liu if more people want to find out more about your coaching and trainings uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you
1: uh yes so i i have a website It's liu uh, liu it's liu uh, liu coaching.com and you can also find me on linkedin so yeah these two are the best way to contact me so and um, yeah and you can put my contacts
0: somewhere Yeah, i'll stick them in the show notes as well if people want sure. to get in contact with you liu it's great having you on the show and thank you again for joining us and give yourself some leeway Well I hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did please rate and review wherever you're listening to this because it helps improve the rating of the show and makes it more easily found by others like you. Also, if you could take a minute to share this with family, friends or a loved one because if you found value from this episode they may benefit from hearing this too. And what better way to help break the stigma around mental health? then by opening a space for discussion with those closest to you. If you have any feedback or questions about today's episode or the show in general, or maybe you have ideas for topics that you want me to cover in the future, you can reach out and book a call with me at giveyourselfsomeleeway.com or send me an email, eugene at leeway.ie. I read everything myself and usually I respond within a day or so. And I love getting feedback from listeners because this podcast is a learning process for me too. And your feedback is the best way that I can improve this for you. So until then, have an amazing day. And I really look forward to talking to you sometime. Until next time, take care.